ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नरम चरोतम सरस्वती व्यास तथो जय मुधीर नष्टु अभद्रेशु नि्यम भागवत सेवय भगवतीमश्लोके कृष्णा वासुदेवाय देवकी नंदनाय नंदगोपकुमाराय गोविंदय नमो नम हरे कृष्ण वेलकम ऑल ऑफ यू फॉर टुडे discussion of shrimad bhagavatam we are reading from canto 6 chapter 1 titled as the history of the life of ajamila and we are reading from verse number 54 labdhwa nimittam avyaktam vyakta vyaktam bhavatyuta बीज having gotten nimittam the cause avyaktam unseen or unknown to the person vyakta avyaktam manifested and unmanifested or the gross body and the subtle body bhavati come into being uta certainly yathayoni exactly like the mother yathabijam exactly like the father swabhavena by the natural tendency baliyasa which is very powerful 
translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Translation. The fruitive activities a living being performs, whether pious or impious, are the unseen cause for the fulfillment of his desires. This unseen cause is the root for the living entity's different bodies. Because of his intense desire, the living entity takes birth in a particular family and receives a body which is either like that of his mother or like that of his father. The gross and subtle bodies are created according to his desire. The gross body, purport, the gross body is a product of the subtle body. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita 8.6, Yam Yam Vapi Smaran Bhavam Tyajatyante Kalevaram Tam Tam Evaiti Kaunteya Sadatad Bhava Bhavitaha. Whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. The atmosphere of the subtle body at the time of death is created by the activities of the gross body. I'll read that again. The atmosphere of the subtle body at the time of death is created by the activities of the gross body. Thus, the gross body acts during one's lifetime and the subtle body acts at the time of death. The subtle body, which is called linga, the, bo- the body of desire, is the background for the development of the particular type of gross body, which is either like that of one's mother or like that of one's father. According to Rig Veda, if at the time of sex the secretions of the mother are more profuse than those of the father, the child will receive a female body. And if the secretions of the father are more profuse than that of the mother, the child will receive a male body. These are the subtle laws of nature which act according to the desire of the living entity. If a human being is taught to change his subtle body by developing a consciousness of Krishna at the time of death, the subtle body will create a gross body in which he will be a devotee of Krishna. Or, if he is still more perfect, he will not take another material body but will immediately get a spiritual body and thus return home back to Godhead. This is the process of transmigration of the soul. Therefore, instead of trying to unite human society through packs of sense gratification that can never be achieved, it is clearly desirable to teach people how to become Krishna conscious and return home back to Godhead. This is true now and indeed at any time. Vandeham Sorry. Om Ajnana Timirandhasya Jnananjana Shalakhaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamahyam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yuta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatanvitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadhutam Parijana Sahitam 
ಕೃಷ್ಣಪದಾನ್ಸಹಗಣಲಿತಾಶ್ರೀವಿಶಾಖಾಂತಾಂಶಗತ್ಪತೆ ಗೋಪೇಶಗೋಪಿಕಾಂತಾಧಾಕಾಂತನಮಸ್ತುತೆ ತಪ್ತಕಾಂಚನಗೌರಾಂಗೀರಾಧೇವೃಂದಾವನೇಶ್ವರಿ ಋಷಭಾನುಸುತೆ ದೇವೀ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯ ವಾಂಚಕಲ್ಪತರುಭ್ಯ ಕೃಪಾ ಸಿಂಧುಭ್ಯ ಪತೀತಾಭ್ಯೋ ವೈಷ್ಣವೇಭ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭೋ ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಅದ್ವೈತಾಗದಾಧರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಾದಿಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ಕೃಷ್ಣ so we are reading from the life of ajamila or the history of the life of ajamila and uh, we discussed yesterday of how the three modes of material nature influence our senses actually arjuna kapoor gave a beautiful class yesterday <clears throat> one must act by his natural tendency according to the three modes of material nature because his natural tendency forcibly makes him work in a particular way so the swabhava swabhavastu pravartate and in this verse um, the yamadutas are saying the fruitive activities a living being performs whether pious or impious are the unseen cause for for what for our for our subtle bodies and the gross bodies the fruitive activities so what are fruitive activities yeah what is it called as in sanskritam call it as karma kanda karma kanda means any activities that is done not even karma kanda because karma kanda is at least based on scriptures sense gratification is an appropriate word so the scriptures are actually uh, in one sense advanced science activities that a, that a person does that this um, as and when he is doing the activities the destination he is determining his dis- next destination so in case of fruitive activities the results are fixed the results are pious or impious whether he is he is doing pious activities or impious activities the destination is also determined based on what he is doing um, it is said that whatever activities that the jiva is doing as and when he is doing what is he developing he is developing consciousness because the activities are feeding into his consciousness these are being stored in fact in the uh, in the shastras in the scriptures or in i shouldn't be even saying scriptures these days scriptures are taken as a very derogatory term i should say scientific uh, journals <laughs> then probably the ears will stand up you see uh, timeless scientific journals it is said that um 
the modern science knows two things or two faculties in which the memory and the recall of memory happens one is the brain and one is the mind right the mind itself has two connotations in the sanskritam or even in the yoga paddhati it is called as chitta and manas uh, chitta is a place where all the impressions get stored and the mind actually chooses between these impressions that is why mind manas the definition of manas is sankalpa vikalpatmakam manaha so it is the sankalpa and vikalpa sankalpa means to to accept and vikalpa means to reject this is the activity of the mind but it doesn't uh, recollect or memory the memory shell is actually the chitta uh, so when you do a japa you know a lot of thoughts come up you know what should i do in my office today what is my plan all of this is the functions of the chitta that is why in yoga in yoga abhyasa patanjali yoga sutras they say chitta vritti nirodha the vritti of the chitta has to be stopped chitta's always problem is it goes back to memory it goes back to future and oscillates between future and future and past future and past future and past and when it comes up with a thought the mind selects one thought and then the intelligence starts working to either fulfill that thought or either remorseful on the past so this is how the activities of the chitta and the manas and the buddhi works so as a, as and when the jiva is executing these fruitive activities he is developing consciousness and these consciousness is actually storing impressions in his mind so yesterday arjun sir kapoor explained beautifully of how the mind is paving the way for a living entity for his future lives it is said that one jiva in one lifetime madhvacharya says in his works that one jiva in one lifetime collects up to 10 lifetimes worth of karma is already paved the way for 10 lifetimes his investment is for 10 lifetimes of repetitive births and death whether it's human or others we don't know but it's at least 10 lifetimes worth in one lifetime that was probably 700 years ago i don't know how how many times multiples it's exponential these days so uh, so it's a very difficult situation so fruitive activity is a problem of sense gratification activities is it will ho- it will start storing these uh, impressions in our manas and then based on that we will start having uh, either pious words or impious words we'll we'll actually study uh, we'll actually discuss a very interesting pastime in mahabharata of how this is very important bhagavatam actually criticizes both bhagavatam criticizes even pious activities are not good because even pious activities are or or uh, binding for the jiva and how it is binding we will see because that is why in the bhagavad gita krishna says kim karmeti kim akarmeti gahana karmano gatihi the the concept of karma and the happenings of karma very difficult to and very complex to understand but then what is what is the way out so the other side of things is we still have to do activities we discussed this we have been discussing and this canto is also called as prescribed activities or prescribed duties for mankind we still have to do activities because we are bound and we all have certain natures that is why we have the concept of varnashrama dharma as well but that is why in the 12th chapter of the bhagavad gita not even the topmost option but the second option is given as one has to engage his propensities in the activities of bhakti that is what is called as bhakti yoga so engage your propensities in the activities of the lord or if, even if somebody cannot do that then the third option is at least work for me krishna says become a karma yogi and give your results to me don't uh, sacrifice your results to me so to understand all of this 
the root of both to understand the activities and the impressions there are two concepts in the shastras which is exclusively from the vedic culture this particular concept is not available in any way anywhere around the world what is it it is called as reincarnation reincarnation is incarnate means incarnate carnage means flesh so reincarnation means come back into flesh again so get another body again get a get a material body again that is reincarnation and second thing is karma karma is the philosophy of karma so these two philosophies are an exclusive contribution from the vedic culture that's why you will see this in taoism or buddhism or jainism or hinduism uh, so the, this philosophy of reincarnation or buddhism for that for a fact so it is an exclusive contribution of these uh, these cultures and these two are quite quite closely interrelated karma and reincarnation huh? what activities one does he develops such a consciousness and then when he develops such consciousness that so it's quite uh, they work in tandem the subtle you all know that we have three bodies what are the three bodies we have and spiritual correct actually there are in one sense um So we'll just wait for the mic. Can I speak? Will the online audience be not be able to hear it? Okay. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे ओके थैंक यू प्रभु सो देयर आर टू फैक्ट्स दैट इज रीइंकार्नेशन एंड कर्मा व्हाट आर द थ्री बॉडीज यू सजेस्टेड स्पिरिचुअल ग्रॉस एंड सटल सटल इज इन द इन बिटवीन सो यू हैव ग्रॉस बॉडी वी ऑल ग्रॉस बॉडी इज व्हाट व्हिच व्हाट इज मैनिफेस्टेड टू आवर मटेरियलाइज subtle body which we can perceive but we cannot we not see with our material eyes and then the spiritual body spiritual body is what is experiencing all of this now reincarnation and karma are the determining factor but what is the most important determining factor for reincarnation consciousness at death that is the crux you see the trap gate is the time of death that is why in in the practice of the eastern uh, spiritual practices you will see lot of significance has been given to passing away of the jiva at the time of death and his consciousness at the time of death that is why in bhagavad gita krishna tries to explain in the chapter 8 in detail about how a uh, lot of spiritualists try to uh, exit from this gross and the subtle bondage it is called as shodasha shodasha means 16 bondages we have what are the 16 bond the 16 bailis or 16 prison uh, gates we have what are the 16 prison gates the five karmendriyas the five knowledge acquiring senses the five motor senses and the five sense perceptions and the mind so there are 16 in one sense so breaking of the 16 and stepping into the 17 which is the spirit and the 18th is the supreme spirit or krishna so that is what all about the 18 so that's why sankhya philosophy are very closely connected numerology mathematics and numbers are very closely connected to philosophy 
So ancient spiritualists were also mathematicians. That's why this 18 is very significant. You see, Bhagavad Gita has 18 chapters. Um, so it's very interesting. Mahabharata was fought for 18 days. Things like that. So 18 has a very spiritual significance. So that death, at the time of death, the consciousness at the time of death becomes very detrimental for the jiva. Everything gets tested at the time of death. But one may say, um, I had a, uh, had a, a devotee was working in a, is working in a corporate atmosphere. His friend was suggesting, the devotee was trying to preach to him. His friend said, okay, if it is at the time of death, I'll think of Krishna at the time of death. That's what he was arguing. He never picked up, tried to get, get into Krishna consciousness. What happened to this person? One day in the office, he had a massive heart attack. This person had a massive heart attack. And the devotee Prabhuji was sitting next to him. He was trying to chant next to him. Of course, he cannot chant loudly because the first thing is first aid has to be given in an official atmosphere. He could see that this person was shouting and screaming out of pain because heart attack sometimes is a very painful situation. And then after the fact, so the Prabhuji was explaining how this person tried to reject Krishna consciousness and he said, I can take to Krishna at the time of death, but at the time of when the death was near, all he could do is in pain, cry in pain because heart attack is a very, because death is a very painful experience. Why? Because it is said that every jiva is given an opportunity at the time of death that he can actually see himself dying. This is a yogasana also we practice in Shavasana where you actually get out of the body and see yourself from the ceiling. If you practice Shavasana, you will see in the yoga bhyasa, you, you assume as if you are floating to the roof and you see yourself lying down and deeply meditating or deeply breathing. This is one of the aspects of Shavasana. So he, uh, many jivas are allowed to experience this, that I am about to exit my body, but I still exist without my body, but I want that body because that's my only identification that I have developed for all my life. My friends, my family, everything will be snatched away from me. So therefore it's more painful. So he couldn't remember his spirituality or his words that he thought he could remember, he couldn't. So therefore death is a very uh, important incident in every jiva's life. In every jiva's life, and we all go through this, and not not once we have de- we, are, we are going through this experience. We have gone through the experience of death millions and millions of times, and but that is why Madhvacharya says in his Dvadasha Sotra, Santatam Chintayon Tantam Antakale Visheshataha. Antakale Visheshataha. So this is the crux that Krishna has put that. All our things, all our consciousness and impressions will be tested at the time of death. And if we have not developed that consciousness every day, every minute, that is not our second nature. So whatever our second nature is, that is what will come up. So therefore, it's very imperative that we develop it as our second nature. Develop what? Develop bhakti, develop remembrance of Krishna. Now, as we said, there were two activities. One is fruitive activities. Fruitive activities will give us pious and impious results. But the problem of fruitive activities is despite being pious or impious, the destination is material. The destination is material. We will either get a body in the heaven or we will get a body in this material world or we will get a body in the hellish planets. It is going to be material, fruitive activities. But on the other end, if there are activities, so we still have to do activities, we still have to get develop impressions, we still have to develop consciousness. So see, the gross body and the subtle body are working with each other. So the gross body works, gains impressions, the subtle body works, 
and develops another gross body. You see, the whole life, the gross body works and collects impressions. At the time of death, the subtle body catches the most important impression and paves the way for another body in the next life. So you see, that's how they work together. But what if, this is the crux, what if we develop impressions in such a way that at the time of death, the subtle body pr produces impressions by which I will not get any more material destinations, but the destination itself is spiritual. This is what is the endeavor of the entire Vedic culture. To say, I don't want any more of this material uh, destinations anymore. I want to get out of this material destinations. That is what the whole uh, endeavor is in the spiritual practice. Now, when I was doing this, I was just reading some scientific journals of how science is progressing in terms of uh, reincarnation. Because reincarnation is even today seen as mystical or a mysterious uh, subject. The, the, the reason is modern science cannot verify the facts. They can only verify by inference. Is it not? So there are three ways to verify it. Pratyaksha and Anumana. No, Anumana is inference. Anumana is not doubt. Anumana is inference in Sanskrit. Inference means they, can, they have studied cases. The cases have recollected their past lives. And that's how there are evidences or proofs of, of rebirths or reincarnations. So modern science, I was going through uh, Indian Journal of Psychiatry. Again, uh, the Western scientists have kept it aside because they don't want to go into too much of it because it's, they, are, they are traveling on two, you know, two tra train tracks. They never, they never join at any end. They're always parallel. So material scientists are always trying to find answers using material means, which they will never achieve because rebirth and reincarnation is never material. It is at least subtle. It is at a subtle level. So uh, it is at the level of a mind and beyond. So it's very difficult for the material scientist to come to a conclusion. That is why they say reincarnation is a religious belief. I, I saw many scientific journals say it's a religious belief. Despite a lot of psychiatrists documenting uh, uh, monumental evidences about reincarnation. A lot of evidence has been proven actually. Yet scientific journals say Mm, it's a religious belief, this, right? Uh, because if you see, why do they say it's a religious belief? First thing, otherwise they can't prove it. Otherwise, sorry, they have to accept Lord. Another problem, they have to reject their Darwin's philosophy. They have to reject theory of evolution. Because now the whole foundation is based on materialism, right? Everything comes from matter, everything comes from chemicals. But if that is so, how does memory get transformed? We have numerous examples. We have an example even in, in our own congregation, Bhakti Maharaj's disciple. Uh, she could recollect her past life as a brahmachari, Prabhupada's disciple. So, uh, how does memory get transferred from one life to another? See, one life, the body gets burnt and then a new, 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 birth, new body takes birth somewhere else and he still can remember his past life. Numerous examples, not only in, in India. This has happened, uh, the research has happened predominantly in other areas apart from India because if you come to eastern part of the world, people do believe in reincarnation. So the research was conducted in places where reincarnation was not even thought as an accepted fact. 
So evidences have cropped up from those regions, like United States of America and regions from where the Islamic world, where they do not believe in reincarnation. So evidences were, were there from those part of the world. So the journal says, I'll just read a few lines. The biochemist or a doctor would tell us that the individual cells in our body have a limited lifespan from days to weeks or a few years. Using sophisticated carbon dating methods, carbon-14, Dr. Friesen and his team of stem cell researchers in Karolinska Institute, Stockholm, Sweden, found that the average age of the cell in an adult body would be 7 to 10 years. So, if we have collected memory, if memory shell was in the brain, a brain cell would, would be dead by 10 years, right? So, that means we are constantly reincarnating and there are cells being produced constantly and then constantly our body is different. And Prabhupada always gives this example, Dehinosmin yatha dehe, kaumaram yauvanam jara tatha deha antara praktihi dhirastatra namohyati. Prabhupada says, we are seeing it ourselves. Reincarnation is happening every time. If I look at my own photo when I was, uh, if you look at your own photo when you were three months old and now, can you say it is the same Krishna, Krishna there? No, it's different, isn't it? So you have already reincarnated. So we constantly reincarnate. Dehe Kaumaram. Kaumaram means what? At the age of five. And then Yavanam, coming at the teenage. And then Jara means old age. We've already had different bodies even in this life. See, we can observe. Prabhupada says, what's so difficult? Huh? And uh, when you read the book, Coming Back, Prabhupada's discussions with uh, scientists, Scientists say it's a, it's a question of faith. Prabhupada says, no, it's not a question of faith. It's a question of analysis. Don't think we philosophers do not analyze. We have analyzed. But this analysis is just not philosophy. It's analytical. And you see, it's been proven. So they say, even though the cells die, the scientists couldn't explain, our identification of ourselves, the I consciousness factor remains constant and unchanging, even though we may develop changes of our likes and dislikes thinking over the years, we always know who we are in the sense of personal continuity, being personal beingness similar to I. So that hasn't changed. See, my body when I was a little baby is different to the body that I have now. But that I, the observer hasn't changed. Is it not? So where is that I residing? The psychiatrist cannot explain. They cannot explain because everything is material, but the material has changed. Is it not? The trains, if you're, on a if you're on a platform, the trains have come, the trains have gone. So the body has changed. But who is the witnesser, the person who is standing on the platform? That I is constant. So who is that I? The scientists don't want to accept it as Jiva or soul. They don't want to say soul. Because the moment you say soul, they are going into uncharted waters. It's, then they will have to be forced to accept something paranormal for them. So therefore, this is what is there in the scientific journals. So that's why... In the scriptures, in the shastras, or timeless scientific journals, it's called a game of consciousness. Life itself is called as game of consciousness. When we take birth and when we die, it's all a game of consciousness. And you see, the whole living itself is to hone our consciousness. Whatever activities we do, we hone our consciousness. How can this activity help me in honing my consciousness? Whatever activity it is. That is why in the Vedic practice or in the Eastern practice, you have samskaras. When someone is born, they do jatakarma. They give him a naming, naming ceremony. What is the purpose of a jatakarma? 
what is the purpose of upanayana samskaram what is the purpose of what is what is wedding called as vivaha samskar or kalyana samskar that's why it's called kalyana kalyana means auspicious so vivaha samskar there are samskaras and then then shraddha starting from jata to shraddha these samskaras are transforming our consciousness as the jiva progresses through life we see only one life but actually you know we have we have lived many lives and the continuum of consciousness continues so therefore the activities become very important take the example of varna and ashrama even varna and ashrama are there for honing of consciousness only see what are the four varnas brahmana vaishya kshud so what what is the def- what is the duty what is the uh, purpose of a varna if you really see from a consciousness perspective i have got a swabhava we, we just read last yesterday we've got a swabhava use that nature natural tendency in such a way in the service of krishna so that you do not pave the way for future bodies full stop so if i'm if somebody has a natural tendency as a brahmana engage yourself in brahmanical activities so that you do not take birth again or you do not have brahmanical or you do not have a material destination again that is the goal and krishna says this very clearly in the bhagavad gita um, chapter 12 if you see the destination to reach is always remember krishna what's the crux of bhagavad gita what is the critical verse of bhagavad gita 89.34 man mana bhava mad bhakto madhyaji mam namaskuru that is the goal to come there but if you can't come there then execute the principles of bhakti yoga so the highest goal is man mana bhava always remember me always worship me if somebody can't be at that stage which is a ragatmika stage then you do the sadhana bhakti execute the principles of bhakti yoga bhakti yoga krishna also puts that in the second order it's not even the topmost order the topmost order is the order of uh, jadabharata the order of narada muni you know man manava always remember me always think of me so even varna brahmana vaishya shudra and kshatriya are there to hone our consciousness and not that one has to always be a brahmana to get liberated that's also another mis- that's also uh, so the problem is even the scriptural studies people have misunderstanding that only a brahmana can get liberated there were there are still people who believe that females cannot get liberated if you are a female body they cannot get liberated you have to become a male only to get there are people who still believe all of this it's all blind faith there is no place of such superstitions in the scriptures the idea is no matter what external connotations we have whether it's a female male a brahmana vaishya kshatriya kshudra doesn't matter what is the most important factor the consciousness that is why prabhupada named this movement as krishna consciousness bhakti yoga is not an affair of the body it is not an affair of the subtle body even it is an affair of the consciousness what is my thought that is why uh, it is not the activity that is important it is the consciousness with which we do that activity that is important very important one may clean the courtyard and one may be in the altar being in the altar one may be doing aarti but his mind is always engrossed in sense gratification there may, there could be a possibility but one could be doing a courtyard cleaning always thinking of krishna and worshiping krishna in his heart while cleaning the courtyard so he is more glorious actually this activity doesn't determine what is important is the inner consciousness with which he is doing that activity very important somebody might be doing kirtan that's why bhakti siddhant saraswati thakur when he was on uh, in the last stages of his life he was asking a person who couldn't sing properly to sing to him 
although he was not good in the meters and things like that he was still saying no no he should sing for me why because he he could understand his consciousness is very pure so that is the whole idea if then when he come to ashrama what are the four ashramas brahmacharya grihastha vanaprastha sanyasa ashrama means our external existence if i am a brahmachari what should be so again if you see you are moving from swadhyaya to sanyasi you are moving from from a from childhood then brahmacharya practice celibacy and from there determine can you fight the battle because living in this world means fighting the battle fighting the battle with whom with senses with our own senses with the three modes of material nature which is maya daiviyesha gunamai mama maya duratya krishna says so fight, fighting can be done in two ways so brahmachari after doing his brahmacharya vratam for 11 years or 12 years he decides okay now i am at a juncture where i have to decide will i continue my battle in the war field can i step into my war field or do i have to fight using a fort it's called kile ka yudh kila means you know what it is kila means fort so if he determines that he is strong enough to get into the battleground and fight he takes to sanyas directly sanyasi means stepping into the war zone directly face to face with the senses very difficult because sanyasa means the senses will burn him basically it's not easy to become a sanyasi so brahmachari decides if he is strong enough he steps into sanyas and wages the battle quickly and gets out of the material, material world very quickly so it's a it's a treacherous war but if somebody thinks oh, i'm not ready for it yet let me go to the fort fort means what you build a fort and fight from the, from within the fort what is that called as grihastha ashrama and who is the fort the wife if you study the section uh, kashyapamuni and diti kashyapamuni says in the third canto that you protect grihini protects the men from attack of the senses so that's the duty of the grihini right we are talking of vedic grihini so this is the whole idea so if somebody is not strong enough then he steps into a fortress battle the battle continues that we have to understand but problem is most of us most of the people who step into grihastha they forget the battle and they think i'm very safe within the fort and then maya engulfs maya japatiya dhari and then punarapi jananam so this is the whole idea and so varnashrama also means to develop and hone the consciousness now how does reincarnation how is reincarnation understood by timeless the scriptures they say when the body when we when we have to leave this body right the the mind actually hones or dwells on one particular thought which is the strongest impressions that we have collected just arjun sir prabhu was saying somebody is watching a lecture and the corner of youtube you see lot of things popping up and you see these are all designed you, even if you go to newspaper journals you will see very obnoxious images coming up propping up that's why internet is a very dangerous place it's a very dangerous place if you are not strong enough very quickly without in our even our knowledge will be in a very dark dark end, end collecting impressions collecting strong impressions which can be produced at the time of death so very dangerous that is why um, uh, a serious spiritualist is very serious about what he speaks what he thinks whom he meets what he discusses with them very very careful you see prabhupad always you have seen prabhupad do this he is smiling and laughing very next moment he becomes grave you seen that he becomes very grave 
see so, so very quickly he becomes very grave and you see his smile stops and then he's always meditative so spiritualist is always like that you will see outside people might think it's eccentric no it's not eccentric it is safeguarding one's consciousness very careful this is a matter of insight it's an interior uh, focus so the the scriptures say when the jiva uh, holds on to one impression that impression determines his next destination so he will be born again with that particular body and it is said that when he is a child sometimes they still can remember certain past lives they want to express it they want to express their desires but they cannot the only way they can express their desires is how either cry or laugh that's what a child does child keeps crying or child keeps because it can't express it wants to express but it can't express with that miserable condition the baby cries or sometimes it laughs forgetting its past so it's a very painful state to be a child because a jiva is not is but the parents are thinking it's nice it's nice to see the child laugh and it's patting oh mera ladla dekho kitna acha bol raha hai torli bhashan you know it's speaking so nicely in the broken language uh, for for everyone it's fun but for the child it's actually a very painful situation for the jiva uh, so this is how the scriptures say and how the subtle body is paving the way for future bodies i'll just quote a scientific evidence given by chaitanya charan prabhu uh, quoted by chaitanya prabhu from colin waxen he says the sheer volume of evidence for survival after death is so immense that to ignore it is like standing on the foot of mount everest standing on the foot of mount everest and insisting that you cannot see the mountain this is how it is there is there is evidences galore but science says uh, it's still a faith based belief reincarnation so reincarnation is not a mystic or a mystery mysterious thing it's a scientific fact with this we also know that there are past life regression analysis and things like that and there are yogis who can actually with their yogic power go into our past looking at our mind or chitta they can go into our past and get back our vrittis and uh, and this is uh, even possible even today in fact there was an incident in mumbai where there was a western bodied person who had come to mumbai and he wanted to see his uh, what is it what is this called as palmistry you know he wanted to go and look at his future and past the person was a very powerful person so he could literally see through through the light so when he saw this person and this this person who had who has come who had come to mumbai had a great interest in vaishnav theology he had great interest in sanskritam so he had great uh, liking towards uh, especially the vedic type of living so he had taken on for almost two decades of this type of life so he wanted to discover who he was in his last life so when he showed his hand this person after looking at his hand he got up from his seat and paid sashtanga namaskar he paid obeisances to him he said you are a sanyasi in your last life you are a vaishnava sanyasi in your last life so therefore i pay my obeisances to you so you don't know you are a sanyasi but now i come to know that you are a sanyasi therefore you are liking to vaishnava siddhanta vaishnava philosophy vaishnava culture is very apparent so what has happened imagine so the 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 western bodied person was in tears so i didn't finish my life i didn't finish off business in that life despite being a sanyasi i fell down again so he was crying so what should i do so that i never end up in this situation again so it's very it's a very difficult situation with this i'll just share a story 
and then we'll stop. You all know the story of Bhishma Dev. When we talk of Bhishma Dev, what do we know? When we talk of Bhishma Dev? Sorry, Prabhu. He died in the battlefield. He died in the battlefield, okay. What else? He took a great vow. What was Bhishma, Bhishma Dev's name? Devavrata, that was his name. Bhishma was given by the Devatas when he took that vow. When he took that Bhishma Chapatam, that, that uh, celibacy, vow of celibacy, the Devatas uh, glorified him. Now one may think, why should someone glorify uh, somebody takes a celibacy vow? Because how long did Bhishma Dev live for? Yes, but how long, how old was he? He was 700 years. He could live for 700. His, his study itself went on for 250 years. He studied Vedas under the Parashuram for 50 years. And then he continued for another 50. Like that he studied for 250 years. 250 years of his study. Can you even imagine? And then he came back to Shantan. Ganga, Ganga she, he was under the tutelage of Ganga Maya. Also. Ganga took care of him. He was the 8th Vasu. When you see Bhishma Dev, you will see only these parlances, right? But the scriptures don't stop here. And he was so faithful that instead of getting himself married, he took a shap- vow to protect whom? To protect his father, Shantanu. He is 250 years old. His father is very old and his father should have found a girl for him. But he goes and says, my father wants to get married to Satyavati. So then I'll take a vow of celibacy. So imagine, everybody says, oh, how obedient he is to his father. This is one picture. Now, let's rewind. Let's go to, this is part two of the movie. Let's see part one of the movie. Who is Devavrata? He is a Vasu. Ashta Vasus. There are eight Vasus. Vasura Aditya. Vasurudra Aditya. Right? Uh, these are all Devatas. These are all from the heavenly planets. There were eight Vasus. Now if you go back, there is a movie what happened. What happened was, there are eight Vasus. And among them, the Jeshta Vasu. The eldest was what? His name was Dyuhu. Dyuhu. And there are names like this in scripture. There are... Uh, uh, there are the Gandharva's names as Huhu, Haha, like this. There are names like that. So this guy's name was Dyuhu. Dyuhu had a wife. Her name was Varangi. Huh? What was her name? Varangi. As they were, you know, flying in the airplane or whatever, they saw a cow in Vashishta Muni's farm, Kamadin. Dyuhu's wife Varangi says, I want that cow. Because that cow is so beautiful and attractive and the milk is so nice, I want that cow. Dyuhu said, no, no, that is the sage's cow, I can't steal it. Then you can't do only, you can't do this for me? That is where the movie begins actually. Movie begins there. So, Dyuhu tries to convince Varangi, but Varangi says, what sort of husband you are? What sort of husband you are? You see the neighbor, he's brought a Mercedes Benz, you can't own even Toyota? Go, get out and work like a donkey. Get out, get me a car. This is where the problem starts. So, Dyuhu discusses with the eight, seven Vasus and they finally decide to steal it. Now, Vashishta Muni also had the Avesh of Brahmadev. Vashishta Muni has the Avesh of Brahmadev also. Brahma doesn't have a direct incarnation. Do you any see, anywhere see Brahma's direct incarnation? No. But Brahma has an, uh, permitted to allow Avesha incarnation. So, he can have Avesha in certain... So, Vashishta also had Avesh of Brahmadev. Just as we see, who was Brahmadev in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, Leela? Haridashtaka. So he has Avesha incarnation for Brahmadev. So Brahmadev then cursed the eight Vasus. That may you all be taking birth in the Mritti Loka. 
in the in the planet earth or the bhur loka and then we all be cursed and then he had a special curse for the elder one because he was the one who was supposed to guide you got carried away because of your because of the desire selfish desire of your wife so may you take birth and live very long in in the bhuloka first thing second thing may you be remain unmarried for that length of life second curse third curse is um, may you be born and not be killed by by ganga so this the three verses he gives but basically then the eight verses immediately come to their senses that they made a big mistake because this is that divine they are not demoniac nature they are divine so api chet su duracharya they quickly come back to this that they made a mistake we are sorry and then vashishta muni says okay in that sense you will be born by ganga maya and then seven will be delivered but the eighth one the elder one will get punished major punishment is for him only so you will be spared you will have a long life you will be unmarried and you will go through great tribulations for because of your own who wife okay so what happened you all know the story seven vasus were born ganga had a deal with shantanu seven vasus as soon as they took birth they went back because ganga may have put her put them into the river the eighth one got saved because shantanu stops him and then ganga takes him away and then brings him back after after a long period of study and then when he takes the vow of bhishma shapata that i will be remaining celibate people think what a glorious person he is right so he's he's actually it's great piety to actually take a vow but that piety the shastra say he's taking because it's a effect of the curse that he should remain unmarried you see one might think it's a blessing that he's doing so great deed to his father but actually he's executing the curse he's under the curse although married in the in the vasu sampradaya as, as his wife he now takes a vow of celibacy that he remains unmarried from one picture you might see is they were doing a great job but actually it's a it's a effect of the curse of vashishta muni that he has to remain unmarried and because to fulfill that curse he takes a vow that i should remain unmarried although it is still glorious from the perspective of that that he is bishma so you see the shastras have different ways to see the same that's why mahabharata ek vakyam dasharthe one vakya of mahabharata can be understood in 10 different dimensions so one dimension is yes bishma dev is glorious but other dimension is it's actually a curse that he had to fulfill now the second part of the story start the third part of the story starts who is what happened to varangi where did she go because of that one impious desire she had to take birth as kashi raja's daughter you know who she was amba amba ambalika and ambika she was born as one of the daughters and see the destiny bhishma dev goes abducts all of them ambika and ambalika decide to get married to vichitra virya but amba rejects because in those days generally mahabharata we know only from the serials but scriptural if you see mahabharata from a scriptural point of view with which vedavyasa has written not the general mahabharata that's available outside amba generally uh, raja kanyas at those days usually get used to get happy when they used to be abducted why because it's a question of pride that kshatriya uh, ka king has come to abduct me that means i'm very precious and they used to be very proud till then they were not uh, giving up their decision to marry anyone so whoever abducts me 
I'm going to get married to him because he is the most strongest. In this case, although they were getting uh, about to get married to Brahmadatta, Amba was kidnapped by Bhishmadev and they say we are happy to get married to you, Bhishmadev. Bhishmadev says, no, no, I didn't kidnap you to get married to me. I want, to, I want you to get married to my brother Vichitra Virya. So then Ambalika and Ambika agrees, but Amba says, no, 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 I don't want to. Because Ambika and Ambalika decide, oh, if Bhishmadev is so strong, Vichitra Virya also should be equally strong. So they come to that conclusion because usually they had that thing that somebody strong should be my husband. Amba says, no, I'll only marry you because you have abducted me. So that is where the problem starts. Vishnudeva says, no. And he releases her. Then she goes to Shalva. Shalva Nareshi is Brahmadatta. Shalva Nareshi is Brahmadatta. So Brahmadatta says, no, 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 you have been touched by Vishnudeva, so I can't marry you. Actually, that was not the fact. The fact is, he is afraid of Vishnudeva because this Vishnudeva can come and kidnap again. So he is afraid of Bhishmadev. So Shalva Nareshi says, no. Amba oscillated between Bhishma and Shalva Nareshi for almost 7 to 8 years. Being rejected by Bhishma, rejected by Shalva. You see, what, what is happening? Because of that impious desire of Varangi, she is facing 8 years of insult huh, in the Bhurloka. Then what does she do? The story doesn't end. She goes to whom? She goes to Parashuram. To complain on his on his disciple. Your disciple has done this to me. He kidnapped me. Blah, blah, blah. And, Parash, and so much so, because of that impious desire, she made him to fight against his own spiritual master. See where all the story goes. But of course, Parashurama is the supreme lord. Generally, they say Parashurama lost to Bhishmade, but he didn't lose. He wanted his disciple to win. So it was an arranged arrangement by the lord. So, so much so, that this... this uh, this loving wife, loving wife of Dyuhu transforms into the most hatred relationship between husband and wife only. Vishmadev and Amba are husband and wife, Dyuhu and Varangi. But so much, so much hatred starts developing. If this guy doesn't marry me, I will be the cause of his end. So then she takes birth again as Shikandhi. She becomes the instrument for the destruction of Vishmadev. So much hatred, so much love gets transformed into so much hatred. This is called Maya Kakhir. Can you see that? That is why piety and impiety, you cannot decide anything based on that. If you see, there is a lecture, there is a discussion of Prabhupada and Prabhupada room here with some socialists in Melbourne. Prabhupada discusses here and the, the socialists ask Prabhupada, Swamiji, if a person helps a blind woman to cross the road, is it not good? Is it not good? Is it good or not? If I help a blind woman to cross the road, is it good or not? What is Prabhupada's answer? What is Prabhupada's answer? Prabhupada says, only God is good. What does that mean? What it means is, pious activities in itself will not take us anywhere as you saw Bhishmadev. He was doing the most pious activity by taking celibacy. But did it help him? He is actually executing the curse. Because unless one brings Krishna in his life, then all of the pious and impious activities are just Mayara Khe. It's all Mayara Vaibhav. It's just Mayara Vaibhav. Nothing else. So that is what this verse is talking about. Labdhva nimittam avyakta vyakta avyaktam the subtle body and the gross body is just a nimittam. It's just an instrument for us of our consciousness. So therefore, 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says in the Madhya Leela 19th chapter Dharmachari Madhya Bahuta Karma Nishtha Koti Karma Nishtha Madhya Eka Gnani Shreshtha What does it mean? There might be many people who can be Karma Nishthas. Karma Nishthas means one who is doing pious activities or Karma Kandya activities. We are talking of people who are following scriptures at least. You are not talking of sense gratifiers at the max. A person whose karmanishta is good, but better than karmanishta is Eka Gnani Shreshta. Which Gnani is this? This is the monist. This is a speculator. Gnani Shreshta because at least uh, he is meditating on something spiritual. Right? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu goes ahead and says, Koti Gnani Madhye Haya Eka Gnana Mukta Koti Mukta Madhye Durlabha Eka Krishna Bhakti. So there might be many impersonalists, but among all of those koti-koti, there might be one who is really liberated among the jnanis. And among those so-called liberated jnanis, there might be only one very rare durlabha eka krishna bhakta. This is also a very similar verse in Bhagavad Gita. What is that? Manushyanam sahasreshu kaschidyatati siddhai yatatamapi siddhanam kaschinmam vetti tattvataha, Krishna says. So therefore, uh, this this phases of punarapi jananam punarapi maranam punarapi janani jathare shayanam and Shankaracharya says iha samsare bahudustare kripaya pare pahi murare murare it is only murari it is only mukunda who can give us mukti nobody else any spiritual activity in this existence cannot get us out of this material existence. It is only Mukunda who can give us Mukti. Only Krishna who can give us Mukti. And no other process can give us Mukti. Only remembrance of Krishna can give us Mukti. So therefore, it is very important that Prabhupada writes by ending the purport that therefore, instead of trying to unite the human society, you see, that is why Every country or every society has their own interest, uh, you, you know, their own plans of gratifying the society. But nowhere we can have harmony in the society like this. So there will always be fight between each other. Prabhupada says there is no way except one has to become Krishna conscious. And if we become Krishna conscious, that is a sure shot way to get out of this continuous bondage of body, subtle body and gross body, subtle body and gross body. To exit this cycle, one has to make sure that the impressions are spiritual. We think about Krishna at the time of death. But for that, the whole life has to be given. Every minute, every second, every moment has to be given to Krishna. At least we should try to give it to Krishna. We, we cannot be perfect, but what is important is the attempt to give it to Krishna. What Krishna sees is the attempt, not how perfect we are. And when we make a sincere attempt, then that becomes... because. One may say, I want to remember Krishna. But can we remember Krishna if we want to? Why? Why? Is remembrance in our hand? Because why Krishna says, Sarvasya chaham hriti Mattah smritir jnanam apohanam cha. Forgetfulness also comes from him. Remembrance also comes from him. So what is there in our hand then? Desire. We have to desire to remember Krishna. Krishna, I don't know if I'll be able to remember you or not. Krishna, please don't forget me. Please don't abandon me, Krishna. If one sincerely prays like this, every moment 
perhaps Krishna can show us some mercy at the time of exit to say, okay, he was praying to me sincerely, so let me give him remembrance. So, we have to at least desire to remember Krishna always, not only at the time of death, always. Then Krishna will give us the remembrance. Please help me Krishna, I want to remember you always, always, at all time, place and circumstances. Whether I am doing my work, whether I am doing japa, whether I am not doing japa, whether I am sleeping. That's why, if you see, uh, Prabhupada used to say, Sanyashi should study Krishna book before going to bed. Why? Because sleeping is an act of Agnana. They are going into ignorance now. So that's why great spiritualists open Krishna book and read, Oh my dear Lord, I am going into ignorance now. I don't know if I'll be able to remember Krishna because I'm not conscious. So please, please don't abandon me. So they read Krishna book, they, they go into dream state to remember Krishna's past and then they drift into deep sleep. So therefore their deep sleep also becomes yoga nidra. That's what is called as yoga nidra. So remember Krishna even in deep sleep. That's an amazing uh, existence. So with this I'll stop here. Um, if there are any questions, comments? Yes, Abhay? Yeah. Okay. 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 Is that Okay. Is that called sense gratification? Uh, what do you think? I'm not sure. You're not sure. Prabhupada says many places that one has to perform bhakti yoga under the guidance of a spiritual master. Always we have to be under the guidance of the spiritual master. If you are not under the guidance of a spiritual master, then we can be taken for a ride. So if we are not initiated, if you are little children, who is our guidance, who is our mentor? Our parents. Therefore, we have to Google in front of them taking their advice. <laughs> then they have watchful eyes. They will say, no, this is not right, Abhay. I will give you what is the meaning. If you want to have synonyms or antonyms are you going to search for your meanings or dictionary online it's very important we do it with the parents not ourselves we have to be careful otherwise uh, the people who are designing these are designing to uh, designing to waylay our senses we have to be careful they are demons in disguise so we have to be protected we have to be pro how do we protect ourselves you know our tablets and computers have antivirus in them to protect the computers you have to protect our computer, which is our chitta. That protection can be done by, yeah, by under the guidance of spiritual master or under the guidance of parents. It applies to us also. As adults also, we have to be careful that we use internet for only for preaching purposes only and not for anything else. Sorry? You have to open the mask and speak. Yeah. Understand anything from? Correct, exactly. You should always do it under the guidance of the parents. Does that answer your question? Thank you.
question bhishma is a great devotee of the lord no doubt about it right? uh, it's very apparent of how his consciousness was at the time of leaving his body you all know bhishma stuti right iti mate rupakal pita vitrishna bhagavati satvata pungave vibhumi now a uh, very important thing to understand is in the scriptures why do they give these examples is it becomes very apparent when we read the chapter divine and demoniac natures among divine and demoniac natures there is someone called as intermediate nature which is called nitya baddhas we are nitya baddhas we cannot be bhishma dev <clears throat> we cannot lie on a bed of arrow and still remember krishna so he is uh, the scriptures gives examples of divine personalities because they have the capacity to worship krishna and go through these activities of pious and impiety this is an example to teach us and when they go through these activities of pious and impiety they very quickly realize that this piety and impiety is of no use they have to take to krishna and this is a this is a lesson for us to learn but when we as devotees do it we have to be cognizant that we are baddha jeevas we should not take it for granted that i am also like bhishma dev anyways my pious activity i am under the shelter of krishna because a slight mistake a slight uh, irresponsibility can be disastrous and the example is jada bharata so for us nitya baddhas we have to take that example and make sure it is we are always taking to bhakti rather than piety or impiety if you, if you know what i mean it is applicable and okay for divine natures but not for natures like us who are tatastha shaktis or he was also tatastha shakti but for at least uh, with consciousness of nitya baddhas like us because bhishma dev if you really see from the taratamya perspective he is a very uh, elevated uh, personality so the scriptures use certain personality to teach us some lessons out of it so yes we take examples like that not to criticize bhishma dev but for us to teach learn a lesson that we have to be careful that we don't take to uh, take pious and impious karma very lightly or not assume that we are always under the shelter of krishna uh, we 
Krishna will always give us shelter, but are we under the shelter of Krishna is a question we should always keep asking ourselves. That, that we have to tread very carefully. We might be always under the shelter of Krishna, but we have to be careful. That's what I mean. But the, the devatas don't assume that. They don't assume that I'm always anyways protected. Doesn't matter, I'll go and steal the cow. You know, you, you never thought like that. I'm a devotee anyways. So what if I go and steal the cow, you see? Uh, so devotees are very careful in that sense. At least the uh, devatas are very careful. So imagine how careful we must be in that sense. That's how I would take it, Mataji. So how to take carefully take my sadhana. Yeah, sorry, because I was a Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the the lesson that we have to take from this pastime, uh, when from this Dhyuhu's uh, reincarnated birth, is to say that. He took a vow of celibacy, right? We all know that he took a vow of celibacy to protect his father. Did he take a vow of celibacy to worship Krishna? Did he take a vow of celibacy so that he can actually be a celibate and become get uh, get liberated as sannyasi? We don't come up. Of course, he's a devotee, but the scriptures are teaching us a lesson. When he took a celibacy vow. He did not say, Krishna, I only love you and I don't want to get married because I only, I'm going to dedicate my whole life for you. That lesson is not being taught here. But he took a vow so that he could protect his father, so he could get married. So it's an act of piety. You see? So, piety in itself can be binding. But piety with element of Krishna is not binding. That, that doesn't become piety, then that becomes a karma. That is the lesson we have to take. So that doesn't mean devotees do not do pious activities. Devotees do all activities. It's not only pious, but it is a karma, a karma kri. So it is it is liberating activity. Any activity that the devotees do, for example, devotees feed a poor person. Do they just feed? No. We all know we feed prasadam. So we are not just helping his stomach, but we are actually helping his soul by giving prasadam. So simple. So we also do activities, but they are not. They are beyond piety and impiety. So this lesson of Bhishma we have to think that all that the piety and impiety lessons that we take, element of Krishna was not there. But because he had the association of Vashishta and Ganga, that Vasu was able to get liberated at the end of end of life so that he could remember Krishna. Because all through his life also he demonstrated that when he came in association with Krishna. Because he was a divine personality. So his consciousness, so you can see the journey of piety and impiety, Vasu getting cursed. This is there, so many examples. You see the example of Naradaman, Upabarhana. Upabarhana was actually glorifying the woman in the council of the Vaishnavas. God cursed, made servants by Naradaman. You see? And again, Naradamuni did not get liberated on the same time. He was, he was there in one whole uh, kalpa within the body of Vishnu and the next kalpa he becomes Naradaman. So, there are stories of reincarnation. All of these uh, incidents are there to teach us that only bhakti is liberating. But at the same time, uh, pious and impious in itself is not liberating. But pious has to, piety has to be laced with Krishna consciousness. That consciousness is very important. Does it answer? Yes, yes. Thank you, Thank you, Mataji. Yes. 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 Yes.
I would say that it would be healthy. We can analyze the life of Bhishma here, uh, similar like a Shulaprapa, the different stage in the life of people, evolving process. Uh, in the beginning, Prabhupada, for example, was developing his career, family life. But inside the internal mood as a devotee, it wasn't fully expressed. But it wasn't the same with Krishna. He was performing his political activities, family uh, duties as a head of the dynasty. But his internal mood and his consciousness, it was Yep. And uh, of course he was involved in that family affairs, but of beauty, because of Varna and Nashran as well, Varnashan mm. Dharma. Mm. So it's similar Prabhupada or many devotees as well, because of Varnashan Dharma. But uh, the spiritual life was expressed more in his uh, last part of life. Yep. And it was that uh, we remember him more. Yep. Not because he was the head of the dynasty. He was a pure devotee. That is why we remember him as the Mahayana. Yep. And similar with Prabhupada, our founder Acharya, we just acknowledge his whole life of preparation, mm. but we emphasize more when he was fully engaged in devotional service mm. or expressive in that way. Mm. Similar with Krishna different stage in the evolving process. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You could understand it like that. Although, Prabhupada, we take Prabhupada as a Nitya Siddha. Uh, he manifested his Leela as if he is a Grastha, as if he is engaged in his family activities. But, as you said, his consciousness was always about Krishna. And uh, even in the case of Bhishma Devi, you see, although he knew he was on the Adharma side, he was always favorable to the Pandavas, he was always favorable that I want to serve Krishna but it only takes a powerful personality like Bhishma Dev to be on the other, other side of Krishna so that Krishna wanted to glorify Bhishma Dev also. It could only be his own devotee who can be on the Adharma side and still be able to fight with Krishna. So yeah, you can take it like that. Thank you, uh, Mahathir. The fight also was his relationship with Krishna. Yes. Only in that way he can interact and with yeah. Krishna yeah. in a loving way. Fighting. Yeah. Yes. Shaurya Yes, Prabhu. Thank you. Just a quick question. Uh, understanding Vishnudev's addressing religion, would we classify Vishnudev as a great devotee or a pure devotee of Prabhupada? Because uh, great devotees are not necessarily pure devotees who are always but Vishwadev is master. But coming back to the vow, his consciousness of taking that vow at that point of time, it was not It doesn't seem to be like that. It doesn't seem to be. But how do we how do place him there as a great duty or a great I don't know, Prabhuji, honestly. Because uh, from the definitions of pure devotional service, Anyabhilashitashunyam, Jnana Karmadi Anagratam, Anupulena Krishna Anushilanam Bhakti Ruttama. But this was demonstrated by Bhishma Dev, at least the time of passing away. Clearly demonstrated by Krishna. And Krishna himself comes there, comes to give darshan to Bhishma Dev. Imagine the status of Bhishma Dev, that Krishna comes himself 
in fact the pandavas are worried about running the kingdom but krishna was worried that bhishma dev is going to leave his body krishna brings them to bhishma dev uh, such is the reciprocation of bhakta vatsala krishna towards his devotees so from that perspective we can see uh, and see itimati rupakalpitam we see thinking feeling willing i have to invest in krishna this is actually a trait of a pure devotee that at the time of death at least now i finished with all of my things i have to now remember krishna all the time and that he cannot do if he has not done it in his whole life so therefore at least from that incident we can see he is a is a pure devotee of the lord he is a great devotee of the lord now can we put him with the other acharyas i am not sure probably you know how he started as a great devotee and then because he was pure devotee is that the transition part correct yeah. it could be as because bhishma dev incident is not a fall down again you should see it's a honing of his consciousness so imagine the curse of vashishta muni as a blessing brahmadev brahma is a is a devotee of the lord any devotee curses it's always a blessing so when bhishma dev fell down it was actually a curse or a blessing from one perspective it's a curse but look at the end of his life it's a blessing because krishna was there similarly nalakuvera and manigriva it looks like a curse but it end up as a blessing so devotees when they curse it's not a curse devotee can never curse anyone because he is full of krishna so how can he put hatred to anyone brahmadev is full of krishna inside so when he scolds also it is only blessing so in that sense it was a blessing for bhishma dev bhishma dev mahajan is the person that he probably started you know sadhana 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 we have to be gradual we have to understand ourselves see where our consciousness lies and try to hone it all the time based on our activities our thought processes and things like that we have to stop now probably we have done all the time stop here we'll take it offline probably okay stop here probably grantraj shrimad bhagavatam ki shloka ko adhyayanam ko divine ki jane ka hai